This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. What is up? Jack of No Trades Nation, what is going on? You got Ben here today and my boy Taylor. What's going on, man? We missed you on the last episode, dude. It's the first episode without you. And let me say, I, I don't like hosting. It makes me uncomfortable. So oh, I thought I'm, you did fine. Oh, did fine. I, I'm glad you listened. I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I didn't know if you were going to listen since you weren't on it. Um. Yeah, yeah. I listened to it like three weeks after it came out, I think. <laughs> and it was very, I wouldn't say irrelevant, like at this point, being it was about the NBA and your predictions. So it was kind of cool to see where you were wrong, where you were right. You guys had some interesting takes. I enjoyed it. Wasn't bad, dude. You did you did just fine without me. I appreciate that, man. But I'm glad you're back. How is being a new father of two? Yo, it's it's fine. It's 100% fine. Love the new little addition. He's a good little kid. He's kind of fussy as shit right now. Um, you know, he gets a lot of gas, so it keeps him kind of kind of crying, kind of <laughs> upset a lot. So I, I feel for him, but man, I wish he could just do that during the day because he, he likes to be that way like between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. So something to look forward to, man, when you, uh, you know, decide to be a father. It, it really cuts into the Z's sometimes. Yeah, it. I, I believe it, man. I mean, if I had that much gas, I probably would be cranky too. So, I can, dude, this little kid is a gas factory. It's it's coming out both ends too, dude. He's burping, <laughs> he's farting. It's kind of a disaster, and I hope it changes for him because he's gonna have a tough go with the ladies if it stays this way. He's cute now, but it's not gonna work out for him if it stays this way. So. Let's talk about something more important. Okay, let's get Kirk, into it. Kirk Thuggins, dude. Yes. Your boy, the Vikings. Boy. We've been talking lots of lots of movies recently. So we're just going to kind of dabble with some sports. You guys heard basketball last time, and today you're going to hear football. It's going to be both footballs, all right? American football and football the way everyone else calls it around the world today. But we're going to start with America's tradition. Taylor, your Vikings are good this year. What yes. the hell they, is going on? <laughs> um, I still don't believe it. So today is November 18th. So this is the week after the historic Buffalo Bills-Vikings game. And holy shit, what a game. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Just crazy shit moment after crazy shit moment. Yep. Like that fourth quarter in overtime. Oh my goodness. What a ride. Uh, if you know Vikings fans in your life, you know that we're beaten down, abused people. It, it's we a don't sad have, bunch. It's we a don't very, have very sad bunch. Vikings fans do not talk shit. Would you agree with that? We do I not. Agree. We I do agree. not I know boast. I know a couple Vikings fans. You obviously my most prominent one in my life, but I know a couple other that you have no relation to, and you all have the same apathy to the team. It's like, yeah, it's our team, but man, it sucks being a Vikings fan. It's tough. So yeah, you're totally right with that respect. Yeah. So even though we are currently eight and one tied for the best record in the NFC, 
I don't think anyone in school nation is like this team is going to the super bowl because honestly, I don't even feel good about that win last week. Yeah, I don't it feel was like, as close I don't as feel like we deserve that dude. I feel like Josh Allen. Did, did we though? Yeah. Josh, yeah, Josh, you, you hung Josh in there. Allen made some grievous mistakes that were unforced like that. He didn't have to unforced. do forced. It's the right. I, I actually thought the bills were cooked when he threw that first pick in the end zone. The one that was when they were up 10, I think, and they could have gone up 13 and he just yeah, threw that pick. Patrick Peterson. Like to, to, yeah. Patrick Peterson had both, didn't he? That first one. I was he like, did. that's bad. That's bad. They're, they're going to lose. And they did in the most ridiculous way ever. <laughs> I, they, I mean, they had that yes. goal line stop where you guys kind of choked. And then somehow you yes. got a touchdown, not a safety, a touchdown when they got the ball back. Yes. Incredible stuff. Incredible. The level, the level of crazy. I had like three or four group chats going on and I was just texting people. Kill me after we got to the two yard line, Jefferson yeah. doesn't get in. And then there's the goal line stand. Minnesota is awful within like 10 yards of the end zone. I swear yeah. they get stopped all the time. They can't finish. So when they mm-hmm. turned it over, I was like, kill me. It's over all this hype <laughs> for nothing. That incre that incredible Justin Jefferson catch just wasted. Oh my gosh. And then, Josh Allen fumbles that shit and we get a yeah. touchdown. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, and then I believe, uh, well, actually going back the touchdown before that one, our kicker missed the extra point, which is a very common thing in Vikings lore yeah. is shitty kicking from close range. Going back to the 2016 playoffs against the Seahawks, where Blair Walsh misses a 27-yard field goal <laughs> in the game. Uh, historic run by that guy. Wow. Historic run. So Historic to miss a 27-yard field goal, man. <laughs> well, do I have faith in Kirk Cousins? Hell no. I know that he's having his moment right now, but let's be honest. You get him back on prime time, he's going to choke and suck ass again. So. He's this like team? petitioning. Can we play the Super Bowl at 11 a.m.? <laughs> yes. Can we play and, it at in a limited market, please? Yes, please. Uh, just a regional game. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't want Al Michaels there or Chris Collinsworth no. or, Joe, or Joe Buck. I don't want any of those guys. Send in Herb Street. Send yes. in uh, other D-list commentator that's doing the Lions games. Yes. Or give me yeah. Iron Eagle, please. Yes, there you are. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. So, but let's be real, right? You're kind of burying, you're burying the headline in the fact that the Vikings are so much better than the Packers this year. Yes. Yes. So much better. It's incredible. It's incredible seeing the demise of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they went on a five game wins, losing streak. Excuse me. Yeah. They They won last week against the Cowboys and then they lose again to the Titans this week at home. I think the Packers era is over. I think it's done. Kaput. I think Rodgers is out. Yeah. You look at it. There's almost no way that they get to like 10 wins at this point. And you guys basically could fall asleep at the will and end up with 11 wins this season. So it's basically in the bag unless you guys have an historic choke job. Looking at the schedule, I think we win at least four more games. I think that's reasonable. Oh, yeah. Very reasonable. Hey, I like the Vikings. 
as a Niners fan, I have no no quarrel with the Vikings. I hope I hope you the best season you can have. I hope Kirk Kirk Cousins can keep doing what Kirk Cousins is doing right now, which is I guess above average. You know, yeah, he's he's like he's around top ten QB. I yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He he can sling it, and he's got some great guys to throw to, and he's got Dalvin Cook, and it's exciting, dude. I think you should enjoy this ride. You're not gonna always get this. This is a good year for you. Yeah, I'm having I haven't had this much fun since the the Minneapolis miracle season. So it's been a uh, it's it's fun. Yeah, getting cooked by Nick Foles in the championship game. That's a tough look. <laughs> Not bro, great. Bro, uh, I I finally beat Majora's Mask the day of that game. And Did I Did you really? Believed, I believed to that day that I was cursed because I couldn't beat Majora's Mask. <laughs> I had tried since I was like eight years old to beat that yeah. game and repeatedly did not beat that game and left it unfinished. It was this harbinger of dread over me. And so like the moon hovering above link in that yes, game, the, the moon, entire time that was me stuff was yeah. just kept going wrong in my life. And I was like, what is it? I was like, I got to beat this game. That game's and not designed for children though. Straight <laughs> it's up. Really, it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not for kids to figure out and beat, but anyway, yes. So I beat that shit, and then Stefan Diggs has the Minneapolis Miracle, and I don't think that's a coincidence, dude. I think I got rid of some bad mojo that day. What so. else is looming over you, dude? That got you to, to the championship game. Now you got to pull no, something got, off your back. I've got a, a couple other games right now that are hanging over me, and I've got to beat uh, I gotta beat Elden Ring at some point. You're <laughs> never beating Elden Ring. You're done. You missed that boat. I was and, I was there to help you, and now it's over. So you missed it last year. You had your chance, but it's, it's gone. never happening. Was that it, this year? Holy it was this shit! Year. This year, just like Dude, eight months where's ago. the time going? That's and, uh, crazy. And this other game called Sifu, which is still doable. Mm. I just got to put in the work. But yeah, okay. Oh, well, I'm happy for you, my Niners. Uh, another year of potential that we probably will tease with being great and probably choke. That's my expectation. We have enough talent to win. We could go to the Super Bowl. We could win a Super Bowl. Will we? I've, I've got a couple hot takes. They may offend you. I don't care. You can't hurt me. So first, I find it a little offensive that the Vikings are 8-1, and one, have beat some good teams, and the 49ers are, I believe, are they 5-4 and four or 6-4? and four? We are 5-4 and four in right now. We're five and four, yeah. but still have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Vikings. I feel like it's a little yeah. disrespectful. But you just started the podcast saying you didn't trust this team. I know, but I'm just saying so that actually fits of, the odds. That fits I know, the odds by your logic. I'm just saying, but I'm not like I feel like statistically in whatever that it's just a little disrespectful. I, I like it's just like tell this, me right now what, what team in the NFC can the 49ers not beat. I don't know. I mean, exactly. That's the it's, thing. It's, it's a lot of mediocre teams, a lot of flawed teams. They just have the pedigree like from the last season. Open, like it is wide open. I agree like, with you. It's just, I they have like, the pedigree to win in any of these places. I feel like there's a, there's a reality where the Vikings beat the 49ers in the playoffs. Yeah. Like that can yeah. happen. Like, but and I we did it, play it the Vikings like, two years ago and you guys scored what? Like 10 points and Jimmy different team though. four, I think four it's times. Different, different it is coach. True. The Kevin O'Connell or Connor or I think it's Kevin O'Connell. He's, I think he's a much more offensive minded coach than Mike Zimmer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a whole different. I don't think different that's even flavor. a fair comparison. But yeah, that that's my first. 
which obviously you disagree with. And then, um, dude, I don't like Kyle Shanahan. I don't like how he, I don't oh. like how he r- runs his offense. Yeah. Like, like I saw a tweet that was like, only Kyle Shanahan trades for Christian McCaffrey and hands the ball up to Eli- Elijah Mitchell eighteen times in a game. Hey, got you. Got to keep Christian, keep him fresh. It's still you can't no, work him too hard. It's like it's that just, new that new toy or car you have that you don't want to get dirty. You know, you leave it in the driveway. Like a new so pair you, of sneakers. Yeah, you leave. You drive the Civic and you leave the Ferrari in the garage. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to scuff it up. That's the same thing. You know, the, the Civic gets you where you need to go. Mitchell got us where we need to go last week. Uh, yeah, you you're not gonna get me disagreeing with Kyle Shanahan. The guy is clearly competent in some ways, but he is maddening the way he he like digs his heels in on some of his strategy so and his stubborn. he's like refuses to be aggressive like he's he is like dead set on keeping games close i swear it's like we play bad teams sometimes and he's like yep let's uh make sure we keep it somewhat close for them like he refuses to like unleash his offense and that may just because of jimmy garoppolo you may just not trust jimmy and that's what beat writers and people will say. It's like, this is because Shanahan doesn't think he can do what he wants him to do in the offense, which is totally fair. He just doesn't <laughs> want Jimmy to screw up. But again, there's sometimes you're like, you could be doing so much more with what you have on the field. And we know you can do like really creative things on the field. So let's just do it. You know, I don't know why it has to be so complicated or has to be so like mundane sometimes. So yeah, I'm with you. He drives me crazy. I'm, I'm never going to argue with you about that. Like. Like the one thing I'll say about the Vikings, always exciting to watch. Like as as like a yeah, I'm not like a hardcore games. NFL fan by any stretch. I'm a casual, right? Like I watch Red Zone on Sundays. I'll watch the occasional Thursday night game, but I'm not like live and breathe football. But the Vikings are always entertaining. They they go for the big plays. Crazy shit happens. It's always close. 49ers games, I feel like, are such a slog sometimes because they're such a run-heavy team. A lot of screen yeah. passes. They won't throw further than like 10 yards downfield. It's just Correct. not fun to watch as, as a casual. It's not fun football, even I'm if it's you. effective. It's, it's yeah. not enjoyable. Well, we've talked about the offense, but the defense is actually really good when we're healthy, and that adds to these like kind of slogs of games. It's ball it's control and offense. Um, yeah, or like just like short plays like you said you know it's just like moving the chains uh we have some explosive plays here and then but you're right like the vikings kind of live and breathe on the big play it's like either a huge run from cook or this bomb to jefferson so i'm i I agree with you and also your guys defense is kind of sporadic it's like who knows what the the vikings defense is going to show up on any play you could give up a huge play you could look really dominant nobody really knows so yeah i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you uh, but Hey, you pick a team, you stick with them. You root for the laundry. That's what I'm doing. Um, it's interesting. This whole season's wide open. I, I think the chiefs look like they could win some games and go really far again. As usual, it bills too. I don't know, but then the NFC is just wide open. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's been a fun year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to watch some of these historic players like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady all kind of get their asses kicked in different ways and the spectacle of the like changing of the guard across the league. Yeah. It's very it's a interesting. Funny, it's a funny thing in sports because the drop-off happens so fast and you don't even think about it. Like 
like you you have it one day and then as like a top tier player you just don't have it anymore like it it happens like almost overnight wouldn't you say it's like not even gradual like you could be the mv like an mvp caliber season and then completely fall off a cliff in in your skills like you just lose your edge i don't understand it it's crazy the margins it's like that why i love the nfl so much the margins are so slim for being a top tier player like you're saying versus an average player to a guy that's out of the league and when that like deficiency happens for a guy, you get punished so quickly because if you don't have that little burst of speed that you used to have, you're getting destroyed by somebody. Yeah, look it's at so Russell different. Wilson right yeah. now. It's so different than other sports. Like in basketball, you can run up and down the field and just kind of get scored on, you know, or whatever. That's fine. Like you can just be a body out there. In football, if you can't hold your own, you're going to get fucked up and there's no way to get around it right you're going to get outrun you're going to get knocked over it's just you're in and out dude and that's why you see guys kind of disappear because like you said they lose the edge and then it's it that's it there's no way you can stay you got to go broncos have that dude for five years that's right yo i i heard and this is speculation from people but that Russell Wilson is calling audibles that he used to call as a Seahawk and that the Broncos have no idea what he's calling. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like got Alzheimer's basically. Basically like he's old man Russ out there just going, Oh, Turkey sandwich, Turkey sandwich. And they're like, what is that? I don't know. And he's just getting sacked. It's, it's terrible. Not to mention their coach is kind of a disaster. Yeah. I'm a well-documented Seahawk hater uh, over the last decade. And I had to realize that once Russ left the team, that hatred for that team went down so much. It's completely like, different. Who on the Seahawks do you individually hate at this point? Well, it's weird because it was like Richard Sherman talked so much shit in those Harbaugh years and just they, they kicked our ass over and over again. But then Sherman was a 49er to end his career, essentially. And, you know, he played some OK football for us and he loves the team. So it's like put me in this really weird spot. Yeah, there's nobody left. It was just rust. His corny ass just was so hateable. It, it was uh, it just going to the Broncos. I actually feel sorry f- for my wife because she hates him and she's a Broncos fan. And she, like you said, she's stuck with this guy for five years or they're going to how are they going to trade him? You know, Dead what do you cap, do with that? You know? Dead cap. Maybe just cut him. And I don't know. It doesn't look good. It's Brutal. not working out. So anyway, there's your NFL random overview. Let's get to the real thing we want to hit today that I'm very passionate about. And I hope I can instill some of my passion to you in this thing I've been kind of closeted about in my life. I'm into soccer. I'm into football, (laughs) dude. Like, I like it. I love how you're like coming out of the closet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird to be a soccer guy, but I am. I'm I straight up am. Let's let's get into this because I know that there's a lot of you. I know there's like a there's a whole community in America of of Americans who are big into soccer but don't really talk about it. And and there's probably like do you do you have anyone you talk about soccer with? Like do you have like a community? Do you go on Reddit or Twitter or like what do you do? How do you how do you get this out? Because you're not talking about it with me. Yeah yeah. Um... It's a, it's a small community for me. I don't have a lot of buddies in this space. I have a few people at like my work that like soccer that I'll talk about with occasionally. Um, I have a few people on Twitter that I follow. I have a few podcasts that I dabble into now and then to kind of hear the their kind of analysis of the sport in general. Uh, yeah, it's 
it is a little lonely over here. Not going to lie. Cause all my homies, you know, it's, I got my football homies, my basketball homies. I even got my, my baseball homies, but soccer, not, not as many, not as many. I want to bring more to the fold, but it's kind of a hard sell for some reason. Uh, and I guess right. you can answer maybe why it's a hard sell. Yeah. Let's get into that. But first, what, what triggered your passion for viewing soccer? Cause I mean, we played soccer as kids quite a bit. Sure. It's fine. But like, I yeah. mean, we played FIFA. I remember we had, what FIFA did we have on N64? Was it 98? Yo, yo we had World Cup 98. Yes. That's what the game was on the N64. We played the shit out of that game. Incredible game. You could get red cards like, like up the wazoo, dude. Like you just slide tackle and you could get like four players on the field by the end of the game kind you of thing. You could murder the goalie. Yeah. Kill the goalie. It was great. Um, so... To answer your question, my passion for soccer was kind of like, I have to say it probably was the 2002 World Cup, which I was probably about 10 years old when that happened during the summer. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember these days, but some summer days you just wake up and you just kind of do nothing and you just yeah. kind of like, you know, sit around, see what's on TV. And I remember just putting on tons of the games that were on on ESPN and just watching world cup games. And I just was so intrigued with the whole spectacle of it. Cause there was so much passion. I mean, these guys are flying up and down the field. It just, there was an energy around it that was different than normal sporting events uh, with the world cup being that it happens every four years. And I got obsessed, obsessed with the Brazilian team. They were sick, dude. Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, that team went on to win the world cup. They beat Germany. Dude, we're freaking Germans by blood, but fuck Germany, dude. I picked Brazil, and that team was fun, and I loved it, and they won, and it was a fantastic moment for me. Fast forward another 10 years, I end up living in Brazil for two years during the World Cup in Africa, and the passion the Brazilian people have for their team goes beyond anything in America. We have diehard fans. Yankees, Red Sox, like those people will try and kill each other, whatever. Like we have sports here. No, this is the whole country. When Brazil is playing a World Cup game, the country stops. Every business stops. Nobody's driving. Everyone is at home watching the game. And you literally can hear the reactions across the open air with things happening within the game. That's how invested these people are in this whole product this their whole identity honestly is wrapped around this it's like where they've had their biggest global triumphs is with their soccer team and that passion is just it just hit me and it lives with me still today add another 10 years we got another world cup and here we go i'm all in on it and i'm still a huge brazil soccer fan and that was kind of the gateway to get me like into soccer kind of like on a permanent level so okay so that's that's cool man that's a that's a cool story and it kind of I I don't really follow league play, um, uh-huh. but I enjoy World Cup as well. I the last one, I actually I got in trouble a few times at work for having it on while I was working. Oh really? Uh, yeah, boss, we like uh, you could you get the World Cup off your screen, and I was like, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so so I got real into it. I got no, thanks. Really- I got really behind the Iceland team because I found out oh, yeah. that a lot of the players yeah. are just office workers. Like they're just normies. Like yep. they're not like professional athletes. <laughs> Butchers and, I, and, and, and they were, and they were actually doing pretty well. I was like, this is badass. These are just like 
random citizens coming together playing on the world stage. Yes. I was like, the idea of being from some small country and representing against the world's best is just hilarious to me. Like, I kind of like, man, I wish I lived in some small ass country or like, like I'm get in pretty, that pool, I'm, you could join yeah, up. Yeah, it's like it's like I'm a decent basketball player. It's like I want to go to like some small country where I could compete in the Olympics against USA and right. Spain. <laughs> Just get my ass beat, but I'm still there. <laughs> but you're in there, yeah. I'm in the Olympic Village, so I I enjoy all of that stuff. But what what leagues do you follow currently? So, I think this is the hardest thing about the sport in general for Americans because it is kind of different and confusing what professional soccer players have is probably if they're good they're going to have a club team right the team that is a part of a soccer league a domestic soccer league whether that's in England whether that's in Spain Germany Brazil wherever their club team that team that pays them to play in these league games and then they have the national team or the country team that they could be a part of based on their nationality. So the soccer like season for club is generally like in the major European leagues. It's from September to May. And so those guys are playing in games for their club, but the world cup, the, the national teams, they mix in some games along the way while they're qualifying for these major tournaments. And then also like the World Cup. And so like they have breaks in these professional domestic leagues to let all the players go back to their respective countries and play for their country. So what can happen is, is you could follow a player. And so like, let's say you are following Neymar. It's like Neymar plays for PSG, which is in France's main domestic soccer league. He has his club games for them. But then he's going to also be playing some games for the Brazilian national team. And so then they'll go play friendlies and qualifiers and stuff. So you can follow players like that. Or you could just pick a team that's like, oh, I, I root for Manchester United. And that's my team. And that's in the Premier League. And you follow it that way. Me personally, I follow mostly Liverpool, which is in the Premier League. And their games just because they have a bunch of Brazilian players that I really like. And then the Brazilian national team. So wherever their games are. And then I like, we'll other, watch like other games casually. Like it, if there's players of interest I have or whatever, but so but you can see just in this short description, like it's kind of complicated and it's like a lot of different things to kind of dabble into and try and like understand um, that's happening all, all during the year. So as far as accolades, what's, what's more significant to a pro player? Would it be a club championship like in the premier league or a world cup championship with their national team? Like what's more prestigious? Would you say this is a great question? Uh, Cause it kind of needs to like, you need to understand the stakes to like, understand the, the weight behind everything that's happening. Right. Um, I would say the most prestigious thing you see in soccer is the team that wins the world cup. Uh, the national glory you get, it sticks with these guys forever in a way that permeates like all levels of the sport. So whoever walks away winning this world cup, that's probably going to be like top line achievement for them across the board. Um, like in 2018, it was France. And that really put Mbappe, who's like the world's best player, probably on the map is like, yeah, this is, this is the guy from here on out. Next would be, the Champions League, all right? Do you know what the Champions League is? Do you know how that works? Yes, that's 
Yeah, so that's like where the best teams from all the pro leagues come together and form like a temporary league, correct? So like that's right. The top top Liverpool, La Liga, uh, the what's the German one? I don't remember the name. Bundesliga. Bundesliga. All those teams all come together, so it's like the best of the best, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And so that's where, like, in the Premier League, the top four teams of their domestic season they get put in the Champions League, right? And the same for like La Liga and Bundesliga, League One, Serie A, whatever. So, so Champions League. If your team wins the Champions League, that's probably the next biggest thing you can do in the sport. And then the domestic league winners vary by like value. So. To put this in perspective, the Premier League is probably the most competitive football league. So the 20 teams in that, that's the most competitive league of all the major European leagues. So like top to bottom, all those teams are usually pretty good. Um, but like if you go to Bundesliga or whatever, or France League One, like there's like two teams that are really good and everyone else is kind of shitty. So those teams kind of cruise to domestic championships. And yeah. so it doesn't mean as much, right? So what about, is it only Europe that's invited or like our MLS teams in like teams in South America invited as well or, or in Asia, or is it just Europe? So champions league is just Europe. It's Europe's um, is all those teams are in there. The other like South America and Asia will have their own like variants of this tournament that uh they can kind of put together and they have different names there's like a million different cups you can play for but like champions league is just european football and the most competitive club football is all played in europe everywhere else in the world it's likely it's going to be at like a tier down or several tiers down right like brazil has a lot of great players but the best brazilian players are likely playing in europe uh, almost unquestionably they're probably all in europe in the various leagues between france spain uh, Germany and Italy and in England. So is that why even in America, the European leagues are more popular because the quality of players so much higher than in America? Like in the exactly. MLS? Exactly. Yeah. MLS is essentially like probably two tiers below most of those domestic league or those European le- uh, leagues. And you see basically that the MLS is trying to grow and it has, has grown quite a bit over the last decade. Um, but the best European players generally will do like a farewell tour in the MLS, like their last seasons, they'll go, they'll come over and, and play on like, you know, LA galaxy or whatever and, and make a shitload of money. Cause they kind of have the, the appeal, right. That, that they have the name recognition yeah, for even Americans in the seats and jerseys. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Right. But those teams are, they're so far below. The, what these other teams are made of and that and it all comes back to money which is interesting because this is all european so like i think americans think europe they think like parody and these teams are all kind of playing on a even playing field right with, with like socialism or whatever these other governments of these countries have yeah. but truthfully it's such a money-driven league these teams spend crazy amounts of money on players and they don't have like caps the way that we have caps um in our like main american sports leagues they they can you can literally pony up tons of money to get great players and that's why you see these like (laughs) these uh um middle eastern investors that will come in you know from like these arab countries and invest a shitload of money into a club 
you know, essentially take it over and the team goes from like bottom of the table to the top pretty quickly. Cause it's like, we're just investing in this kind of a, uh, this entity. So it's very different in that respect. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. And so I've been watching, uh, the, the Hulu, the FX doc, the welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. The Brian Reynolds, Rob McElhenney thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's been kind of interesting cause it, I recommend this if you're kind of interested in how soccer works because they invested in Wrexham AFC, which is there's multiple leagues within English in the, in soccer in the UK. So premier league's the top. And then you go all the way to the bottom is the national league. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's league two and league one in between and Wrexham's at the bottom, but they could potentially, if they were good enough and won their, league every year they could eventually get promoted to the premier league and so your position in a league isn't static like you could be relegated from the premier league and get kicked down if you're the worst so like it's definitely an incentive to continue to play well you can't tank because you'll get relegated and there's really do they draft like is there drafting no there's essentially like what happens in soccer is that they they buy players. They put them under contract at like, ages that are extremely young, like rights right? to players, and then they develop yeah, them. And exactly, they get them in their system. So they'll pick up a kid that's fourteen and just be like, "Yeah, you're you're our guy, and we're gonna pay you through you know, you're twenty until you're twenty, and then once you turn twenty, we'll either sign you to a bigger deal or we'll let you go, and you can go sign somewhere else or we'll loan you to someone. Um, so yeah, that that pool is is interesting how they kind of develop guys, but. Going back to what you're saying about the leagues, think about that in the NBA. Think about the Sixers. Like, yep, we're going to be the worst team for four years in a row. It's like, okay, if you do that, you're going to be like below the G League. You know, <laughs> you're not you're not just the G League team at that point. Like, you're going wherever like the rec leagues are in New York. Like, you're that bad. The stakes for these teams to stay competitive, to stay at the top, and not get kicked out. That's an ins- that's something we're not used to in America. Like, think about it if the Vikings like had a rough year and you didn't get to watch them play on Sunday. Like, they had to go play on Saturday for a season at least or longer. Could you imagine? Well, yeah, and they're not on the biggest stage. Yeah, they're not getting the same promotion. It's probably like it probably hurts quite a bit when your team gets relegated. You're like, oh, Ugh. it's oh yeah, brutal. It's like absolutely you're trash. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's it's probably hard to scratch your way back up because all those people in the league you just got booted to are working their ass off to get back to the league you and, just came from. Yes, yes. And so you can see like the intrigue with how desperate teams could be to stay, you know, doing well. Because the the if you're going down a league, you're losing opportunity at better players. You're losing opportunity at more money. You're losing all of this like advantage you would have staying at the top of your ability, and the consequences are stark, you know, that's, that's not something we're used to. Like teams in the teams that suck in pro American leagues, they essentially get rewarded for sucking, right? The teams that stay in the middle are actually more punished than the ones at the bottom. So it's a dynamic that's kind of fun to watch transpire over a season. Um, and how teams kind of deal with that, that dilemma. Yeah. So just briefly before we, we're going to preview the world cup a little bit to wrap up but before that can you just kind of quickly go over like the viewing experience like how the game's set up i mean i think just generally like 
I'm talking like commercials. What's the exciting moments? What are you watching for? How long yeah. is a soccer match? Like what time of day are you watching? Just that type of stuff. Okay. This is fair. So most people will say like, oh, soccer. It's just a bunch of people kicking the ball back and forth. And you're right. Some soccer games can be really dull. Not a lot will happen. Um, the best thing about soccer, which you're hinting at here, is continuous play. It's set up. So there's two halves, two 45-minute halves. When the team's playing a half, there's no breaks. There may be an injury. There may be like a stoppage for something. But it's no commercials. They're going to be playing that full 45 minutes. The clock doesn't stop. And then there's an arbitrary amount of stoppage time that gets added onto each half. So if they stopped a bunch, they may add three minutes at the first half. And then they stop a bunch in the second half. They may add up to five to seven to ten minutes, depending on what happens. So you you literally start a game at nine, and it's reasonable to expect it's going to end at 11. Dude, think about how many basketball games you've watched and you're like, oh, there's two minutes left. And it took, what, 45 more minutes? <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I hate that so much. I feel like I waste time watching these commercials and these breaks in sports like that. I mean, do you agree? Like, does well, it grade on you? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, an NFL game can be almost four hours in certain yeah. cases. If there's a lot of stoppage and it's close and they're calling timeouts and just – these tv timeouts constantly it's it's brutal man it's there's no flow like it kills the flow i feel so yeah i mean continuous viewing for each half because you have a commercial break in between the halves i'm assuming yep you get your halftime and, and you get and your then, commercials and whatever and then you just watch and then it's over that sounds amazing right. yeah yeah so i'm a i'm a huge fan of that part of it i love and this is something maybe that's controversial but the strategy in soccer, and I think what you start to understand the strategy of what teams are trying to do, it makes the game more interesting because some teams are like set on possessing the ball, right? Like they're going to keep the ball with their team, lots of passes back and forth. And they're essentially trying to wear people down until they can have an opportunity to score a goal. Other teams are like, ah, eh, screw that. We're just going to put a bunch of guys back to guard. And the second we get the ball, we're sprinting to the goal. We're going to counter off of this loss of possession from this other team. And we're going to do our best to get to the goal and put it in the back of the net. And so you watch these teams kind of decide like, all right, do I play conservative? Do I play aggressive? Do we try and stretch them wide? Do we try and keep it all in the middle? And these like little chess matches between teams can be pretty intriguing because soccer comes down to who's the weakest link, right? Which player yeah. can be exploited? Is it some guy that's a little slower than one of your players? Is there another guy that kind of will get out of position so you can get a cross in and score? Those are the moments that make soccer really exciting because you can watch teams kind of be rewarded for patience and just exploiting something that maybe presents itself. And that, to the untrained eye, I understand you show up and you're like, okay, they're just kicking the ball. <laughs> like that doesn't, that's not very exciting and they may not score. Uh, but when they do score, it's pretty euphoric. It's it, a goal scored is bigger than a touchdown. You know, it, it means more in a game. Uh, and, and that's kind of a moment that's fun to see live when it actually comes together. I mean, you've, you've seen a few games of soccer you would consider really great, right? Or no, Have, do you feel like it's always kind of lacked? Oh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a, one game I thought was a lot of fun was I think it was the U.S. women's team playing against Japan in the mm. Women's World Cup Championship. Was it two years ago? 
tour. Mm-hmm. That I remember that game being pretty yep. exciting. It was a lot of scoring. It was pretty intense. I think it's where I think it's you're kind of hitting it. It's like some teams are all about possession, where it's like, yeah, we just want to hold the ball for as long as possible. We're not gonna attack aggressively. We just want possession. We just want to have the ball in our in our control. And so that's that's the boring stuff. But yeah, I think a real aggressive soccer match can be a lot of fun. And, and, and I mean, the most fun I've had, honestly, was that that uh, was it like a FIFA championship or something with Italy and uh, yeah. England? Those yep, PKs yep, last year. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was a that was a lot of fun. I was glad you texted me to turn that on. That was a yeah. <laughs> I always let you know when the, the penalty kicks are happening because it's a level of pressure that's is pretty unique. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking of the last World Cup in 2018. You know, Germany historically has been a juggernaut. They've won some World Cups in the last, you know, decade. And and they were playing Japan, favored to beat Japan. And Germany is such a hardcore possession team. Like, they are going to just, you know, run the ball into the dirt. But Japan is the opposite. Japan is a frenetic, psycho counterattacking team. So the second they get the ball, everyone is trying to score. And they freaking upset Germany. Like, I think they scored three times on them or something in that game. And Germany didn't score at all. And it was just like watching Germany just sit there in disbelief that they got freaking owned by this team that was like supposedly inferior to them. That's the kind of things you can get in a soccer in a soccer match that's really great. Is when teams kind of underestimate another and it can go wrong really quickly for some of these guys. And it can be like the other team's better for 95% of the game, but you have one slip up and you lose and it doesn't matter. So it can feel kind of unfair that way too, but I don't know. It keeps me interested. So, so what, like if someone wanted to get into, you know, like what channels or services would they want if they want to start kind of casually getting into European soccer? Um, so I know like ESPN plus has La Liga games. So that's like Spain, Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, and Bundesliga, I think as well. I think the best way to go though, is the premier league in the premier league. You're going to watch via like Peacock or USAA or sorry, USA channel, which I think are all NBC properties. Um, and they play Saturdays and Sundays usually, but they have a few games during the week. The premier league probably has the most games on TV. It has the biggest stars in the sport for the most part, and the games are most competitive. So my my suggestion to you, Taylor, is watch the World Cup this year and look for a player. Find a player that you're like, that's my guy. Um, and hopefully he lands like in the Premier League, and then you just follow his club team, you know, whoever that may end up being. It could be Kevin De Bruyne from uh, Belgium, who's a midfielder for Manchester City. You know, you there's a lot of different players you could get invested in and then watch their club matches and it can be a lot of fun. That that's my my suggestion. Or pick one of the top Premier League teams. Like pick a front runner team in the Premier League, uh, ones that are like historically the best. I've and just I've always them. uh I've always been intrigued by Manchester United. I don't know why I've always connected with them. They're so. kind of a train wreck, but they're a fun train wreck because <laughs> they've got Ronaldo right now and he's such a diva and been sidelined and shit. And like, they don't want to play him and he's all mad at everybody and they're way better without him on the field. So <laughs> maybe that'll uh, be my team. I, I've, I've, I have a train wreck in the NFL. So 
it'd, it'd be a good uh good pairing. Yeah, do it, do it. There, I mean, if you want to be like the front runner, front runners, you pick Manchester City, and Manchester City is like, it's they're basically like the Warriors with Kevin Durant, just so loaded top to bottom, uh, but they're actually not the top team in the Premier League right now. So Manchester United's a fun pick. I like it. All right, go for it, dude. Do it. Cool. Um. So yeah, let's let's talk a little World Cup before we uh wrap up this episode. Yeah, so let's talk let's take a break from like soccer as like a product. Let's talk about the World Cup in general. Dude, what a shit show. Yeah. There's been a lot of bad press around this World Cup specifically. Deservedly so. <laughs> yes. So going back to the construction of all of the venues. The and- bidding. Go Are back we- to the bid. Are we going to say Qatar? Is that how we're going to say this? The country? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say Qatar. So we're we're going with Qatar. If it's a different pronunciation, we're sorry. That's what we're going with. So you go ahead. Explain the, what happened during the bidding process. So the world cup is a global event, tons of money at stake, and there's never been a world cup in the middle East. And that's for a variety of reasons. One reason it's hot as fucking shit during the, the summertime. East, yeah. Right. You, it's literally like impossible to play in the summer in Saudi Arabia or wherever in that part of the world. It's just too hot. So that's one hurdle. The second is that Islam as the predominant, you know, what rules the government, the state is very, very restrictive. I mean, they have very strict rights, uh, uh, restrictions around women, around substances like alcohol, Things that just are prohibitive to what the rest of the world is kind of familiar with. But Qatar essentially lobbied and, uh, you know, paid a ton of money to FIFA (laughs) back when the bidding was happening to say, hey, we want it. We'll pay for it. Yes, move it out of the summer. Move it to the, you know, the winter, fall. I heard they've moved the date multiple times. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. They tried to say they could have air conditioning that would work in the summer in the stadiums, but they realized that wasn't going to work. And so, yeah, it, it was moved quite a bit. But again, this doesn't make sense to do it here for a lot of reasons. But still, FIFA's it's, like, it's not even a big soccer country. No, that's no. what's crazy. It's, it's not. It's money, dude. It's all money. <laughs> and we could go on for days about how corrupt FIFA is. And that's, that's something that other people can inform you on. If you want to go look into it, it's, it's a disaster. So, so yeah, Qatar gets the bid and then what do they do? <laughs> you can go into the stadium. So <laughs> they, you can look all of this up online too. So they built multiple venues across Qatar to house all these games. And so thousands of migrant undocumented workers died during the construction of these venues and they were literally throwing the bodies in pits like throughout the country like just we're talking over i believe over five thousand people over the span of the years that they were building i think it was back in 20 starting in 2011 i believe yep Yep. horrible conditions it's just horrible it makes you feel it's it's like knowing that the animals are being treated poorly in a zoo and wanting to go to the zoo i feel like it hurts the product knowing this many human lives were lost for a game yeah for no reason and it was just uh unsanitary and dangerous work conditions extreme heat mm-hmm. it's just a nightmare it it makes me feel sick to my stomach a little bit 
it's awful. And, you know, we had similar conflicts with Russia, you know, in the last World Cup, right? The human rights and the, the things they did to get ready for it and lobby for it. And it's just, it sucks. Like, it takes away from something that's honestly wholesome and exciting, the passion behind it. And when you have to think about the blood, the tears, the sweat that went into making these things happen that all happened in a nefarious manner. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It, it taints it for me. It's going to taint it for me. Seeing them run around in these, these stadiums thinking about that, you know, it's not a, it's not a good thing. It's, it's a very unpleasant side effect of this whole kind of system that we're a part of with this. And then the most recent one today, the Qatar national government announced that they, they were going to allow alcohol to be sold in the venues at the games, but they have changed their minds and alcohol will no longer be allowed in the <laughs> venues, which is a big part of soccer culture. Is it not? Yeah, it Just is. Just getting it fucked is. up watching soccer <laughs> yeah. with your boys. Like that I, is part of the fun across the world. And so. Yes. Yeah. Beer and soccer hand in hand. Yes, <laughs> it is a bummer. And it's just the timing. It's like, was this the plan the whole time that they would just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have beer. And then they're like, well, we're going to say no at the last second. And what are they going to do? I mean, FIFA's going to get sued by their sponsors. I mean, Budweiser is one of the, the sponsors to be able to provide their product at these games. And that's going to go away. I mean, that's a huge, huge infringement of contract for them. Yeah. The actual... It's not surprising. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's more just like, the exposure like at the events i mean because i mean they're probably financially i don't think budweiser's gonna be like lost because some sporting events for a month aren't gonna have out their product anymore but yeah it's but i mean if you're expecting to be selling you know to millions of people at an event your product at you know on that scale that's not nothing that's true that's that's i mean that's a that's a huge amount you would be collecting that's a good point yeah to I be forgot, the guy that's yeah. providing the beer. So I, I, I yeah, I don't know how many games and stadiums there are. It's pretty insane. And it's like, right. it lasts like a whole month. Right. And then you get all the people visiting. Uh, and I've already seen videos of reporters from different countries, just standing outside like a hotel, trying to just comment on the, the world cup itself and kind of be their boots on the ground. And people have come and taken away their cameras and told them to leave. <laughs> like they can't film here. You can't do this. And it's like, they're like, I'm literally standing outside a hotel. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not even filming people. It's, it, so are, isn't the whole point of hosting the World Cup to have exposure in publicity for your country? I thought that was like the whole point, like why you would want to host it, right? Agreed. It's a time for the world to look at you and say like, oh, that's a place I'd want to visit or I'd want to, you know, interact with. And I don't know. I don't know anything about Qatar. So I don't want to like cast huge judgments on people or whatever. But this level of restriction, you know, around how everyone is being treated so far. It just seems like, like you're saying, why do this? Like, are you you really clearing this much cash having this event, treating people this way? It feels like it's going to be a net negative at the end of the day for a place like this. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, they probably won't like do another world cup in the middle East after this, you know? (sighs) Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Depends on the, the check, whoever's writing it, you know, like why not do it in Dubai where at least they have fun there. You know, yeah. like they're not restrictive there. They're, they're a little they're more like, yeah. westernized for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Like it fits the vibe of what a, a massive global event like this would want 
It has places for people to stay. It has fun events for people to participate in. What does Qatar have other than these games in the stadiums? You know, I don't like know. what else are people allowed to do? It doesn't sound like it's much of a tourist attraction otherwise. And again, that might be that might be totally wrong, but that is the perception I'm getting from all the media. Yeah, I'm seeing if, you, about if it. you've been to Qatar, let us know. <laughs> Please I, educate me. I want to be educated on this. I. It just seems like a bad fit, you know, and and like women don't have the same rights as men there. And that's like half the demo of people going to watch. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about soccer is that America is like soccer is like, eh, it's a game you could play, but it's probably not one worth playing. You know, it's like yeah. you could, but it's, you know, if you really want to be like a big deal, play one of the other sports everywhere else, basically in the world, soccer is the top sport and the whole country loves it. Everyone loves it. Men, women, children, everybody's into it. Uh, so the level of interest around this event is way bigger than anything else going on. So you would want to be able to please as many of those people as possible with this kind of thing. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, so I guess so you're you're going for Brazil. Mm-hmm. What what are some other fun teams people could root for if they don't if they're not feeling Brazil, like which ones would you recommend that have like a fun roster, you know, maybe they're exciting or maybe they're kind of a sneaky, like a sleeper team in your opinion. Like what would you, what would you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great talent and a lot of fun players in this. Um, I have the betting odds for the world cup in front of me. I sent it to you too. Yeah. I'm looking Brazil's, at Brazil's favorite. A lot of good players, Neymar, Jesus, Richarlson. I mean, there's like, it's a it's a pretty stacked roster. So obviously I'm very biased there. Argentina, you got Messi, dude. And this could be like capping an achievement on maybe the greatest soccer player of all time. So Argentina's got a young, really exciting squad. They're the next favorite team. Uh, obviously I am against Argentina. It's Brazil's biggest rival. So I'm going to be really bummed if Argentina walks away with the cup this year, but yo, Messi, Messi's amazing. He's are they, a fun are guy they to in watch. The same group? They are not, they are not. So, um, I don't know based on the groups, how some of these teams will like, if they could meet in the championship or if it would be in the semifinals or whatever, I actually think it's possible for Brazil and Argentina to meet in the final, which would be insane. That'd be epic. Yeah. Yeah. And Brazil and Argentina just met in the Copa Mundo, which was uh Copa America, excuse me, which is like South America's tournament, national team tournament. And Brazil lost one zero to Argentina. You watched that game with me, I think, didn't you? I don't or think you- so. I don't think so. That was a different one. Okay, so Argentina's fun. France, you got Mbappe. He's, you know, one of the best, if not the best, strikers in the world. So that guy is like, he's young. He's like 22 years old, fast dude, super exciting. There's a couple other guys on the squad that's that are also pretty pretty fun. So France is definitely a powerhouse. Spain, always a good squad. England has a lot of talent. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if their young guys get more playing time than some of the old heads that have been kind of part of the team for a long time. And that's kind of the thing is you kind of balance with these national teams. You could have like up and coming talent that like does really well in club events, but they don't break the national team roster. So curious to see what happens there. Um, so you could go England if you want to go for the the motherland, Taylor. Uh, <laughs> Germany. 
same thing. A lot of great players on that squad, uh, but a little older than they've been, so they may not be as good. Portugal will be funny because Ronaldo's on that squad, and he's just a head case, but he's also like a dude that likes to show up for the bright lights, so you could roll with him. Belgium, you got De Bruyne, you got Lukaku. Those guys are exciting. But if you want a fun little sleeper, Taylor, for you, you could roll with Uruguay, baby. Yeah, I like that. Darwin Nunez, striker for Liverpool, super talented dude, young guy. You also got the old head striker, Suarez, Luis Suarez. He's the guy that bit that one guy's like <laughs> ear in one of the tournaments. I'm forgetting which one. I, I can't remember if it was in <laughs> Russia or not. That guy's psycho, but he's freaking good uh, when he's cooking. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool matchups. I think for the casual, uh, the USA and England are in the same group. And so they will be playing each other. That's a fun game to watch for sure. Yes. Taylor, that game will be on a Saturday uh, after Thanksgiving, I believe, Ooh. or it's Friday. We'll have, to, so, we'll have to watch that. Yeah. USA historically has been like not a good team, but this team has enough talent that they could be sneaky. They could maybe get in. Uh, they could maybe advance. They could maybe pull, you know, pull a game on England potentially. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how we do as a USA squad. Uh, but, yeah, England-USA will happen. So, that's one probably casuals would be interested in. All right. Man, I'm getting pumped. Starts on Monday, I believe, right? It starts Sunday. Ooh. First game will be 11 a.m. Eastern. And it will be Ecuador versus Qatar to start the tournament off. I've heard that this is all hearsay, alleged shit but people are saying that qatar is bribing ecuadorian players to throw the game <laughs> so qatar could start the tournament with a win <laughs> please i'll try and get the pot up before that so uh we can so if qatar see. wins one zero which is what i read then you know some shit's going down because qatar is not a good team they shouldn't they shouldn't be winning and ecuador is not like horrible that'd be wild by, by any means yeah 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 so the games will start super early for us, if you want to watch them live, like I think some days the games will start at like 3 a.m. Mountain time and happen incrementally. The earliest, sorry, the latest a game will happen for us on like in America would be noon uh, mountain time or 2 p.m. Eastern time. So a lot of early shit. So during your work day, you could probably sneak a couple of these on while you're plugging away at your spreadsheets or whatever. Are you, uh, you going to be waking up at 3 a.m. to watch Brazil? Uh, Brazil doesn't have any games slated that early, so I won't be. <laughs> but I do have Brazil. I actually wish they were, so I could wake up and watch. Um, they're actually like right during some of my like heaviest meeting days, Ugh. so I'm curious if I can, uh, uh, you know, fake sick or something and be able to watch it uninterrupted. <laughs> I love but, it. So, so who are you gonna roll with, dude? You got a you got a guy or a team? You're thinking? Ah, uh, I. I'm I'm really conflicted. I like like I picked Iceland last time just because of the that office worker vibe. Um, I think I'll know as this tournament unra- like begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean I'll be rooting for your your Brazilians for sure. But I I kind of like uh, I don't know like I might go a little France ride the Mbappe train. Mm. That's fun. Yeah, front runners. Yeah, dude, roll with Japan too. Yeah, Japan should be fun. Of course, dude. 
Japan should have some fun games. Mexico too could be fun. Yeah, uh, I, I think it'll another frenetic. Team. I always pick some like underdogs that go like are doing well. I always kind of root for them, so I'm sure it'll become more apparent for me as the tournament. Your, your uninformed opinion: Who's going to do better between Canada, the USA, and Mexico? <laughs> I think Mexico probably. Let's, you can pick Mexico. Yeah. Okay. I think USA okay, is probably my bottom three. I think Mexico, Canada, and then USA. Whoa. Okay. That would be intriguing if Canada does better than USA. That will be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'm a three-eyed raven. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. You should put some money down, dude. <laughs> Clean up. No way. Clean up. So, yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited. I hope people get into it. I hope it's not overshadowed by too much other, like, off-the-field events or things that detract from the the tournament i hope it kind of can be fun because <laughs> it's looking like it won't be fun but uh, fingers crossed man it's an amazing time every four years and then in four more years it's coming to north america which yeah. and we'll uh, do another pod <laughs> we will do another pod and hopefully attend a game or two man yeah yeah i'd go for sure i'm planning it i have to no better chance so yeah yeah you so, got yeah, me so- excited for soccer hopefully those of you listening are a little more informed on how soccer works and possibly want to even give it a try so dig in with me people hit me up follow me on twitter let's chat soccer taylor ride or die with manchester united i'm gonna tell i'm gonna start telling you when they're playing and have you turn on the game so you can kind of get in on this yeah dude right i'm in let's do it all right Soccer heads, let's go. Let's go. Football season. All right. Until next time, homies. Everyone have a good one. We're out.